Zionism was predicated on the ability of the Jewish people to achieve even the seemingly impossible if it put its mind to it. Or as Herzl said, if you will it, it is no dream. And Israel was indeed an immense human achievement. But Israel is also a sign of the divine acting within history. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 46, Fringes and Flags. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. We have no flag, and we need one. If we desire to lead many men, we must raise a symbol above their heads. So Theodor Herzl wrote in his pamphlet, The Jewish State. And though some early versions of the Israeli flag that we know today was already being used in Zionist groups in America, it is to Herzl's friend David Wolfson that Herzl's own support for the Zionist flag is accorded. Before the First Zionist Congress, Wolfson found inspiration in a very Jewish item. As he described it, quote, At the behest of our leader Herzl, I came to Basel to make preparations for the Zionist Congress. Among many other problems that occupied me then was one which contained something of the essence of the Jewish problem. What flag would we hang in the Congress Hall? Then an idea struck me. We have a flag, and it is blue and white, the talith with which we wrap ourselves and pray. That is our symbol. Let us take this talith from its bag and unroll it before the eyes of Israel and eyes of all the nations. So I ordered a blue and white flag with the shield of David painted upon it. That is how the national flag that flew over Congress Hall came into being. End quote. The blue and white of Israel's flag came from the blue and white stripes on some versions of the talit, the Jewish prayer shawl. This, in turn, was taken from the colors with which Israel is commanded to adorn the edges of Israelite garments. Thus, perhaps, in these two colors, blue and white, we can discover the essence of the mysterious history of the Jewish people. The tale of blue and white begins with an obligation involving Israel's sartorial splendor. Numbers 15, 37. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make themselves fringes on the corners of their garments, and that they put with the fringes of each corner a thread of blue wool. The exact construction and proportion of these strings has long been debated, but what is clear is that among these fringes, which are called tzitzit, some strings were blue and some were not. Originally, tzitzit were not attached to special garments created for prayer, but rather to the standard four-cornered cloaks or other similar garments that may have been worn. Then the Almighty adds, And it shall be for you for fringes, and you shall look upon it and remember the commandments of the Lord and do them, that ye go not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye go astray. For Maimonides, the meaning here is that the blue strings standing out amidst the other fringes are meant to remind us of God and of His commandments. In understanding this, we must review ancient Middle Eastern fashion. The two main sartorial symbols of splendor in biblical society and throughout much of the ancient world were known in Hebrew as argaman, wool dyed purple, and techelet, wool dyed blue. Another material that is mentioned is tolat shani, which seems to be scarlet. Argaman, royal purple, was just recently found in Israel, an exciting archaeological discovery in the desert Timna region near Eilat, purple wool that carbon dated back to the age of Solomon. 
As Baruch Sturman and Judy Tauba Sturman explain, these materials were extremely precious in the ancient world. They write, quote, The recent archaeological find in Timna of several scraps of purple-dyed fabrics dating from circa 1000 BCE, approximately during the reign of King David, analyzed by Dr. Nama Sukenik of the Israel Antiquities Authority, underscores how purple textiles were already a valuable commodity in the southern Levant far earlier than the Roman period. Purple-dyed cloth, argamanu in Akkadian, is the argaman mentioned throughout the Bible, most prominently along with sky-blue techelet and tolat shani in the list of luxurious materials used in the mishkan and in the garments of the priests who served there. Techelet is also, of course, the blue thread which the Bible commands each Jew to affix to the tzitzit on the corner of his garment. Techelet and argaman, royal blue wool and royal purple wool, both are materials that, according to Exodus, were collected for the creation of the tabernacle, and both blue and purple wool were used in the creation of the priestly garments. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, even as both argaman and techelet, purple wool and blue wool, are woven into the garments of the priesthood, when it comes to the fringes known as tzitzit, there, blue wool, techelet specifically, is specified. Meaning, purple is the primary color of ancient royalty, but blue is the color for the Jewish faith. The Sturmans, in their article, cite Rabbi Meir of the Talmud, and as they write, they joined biblical color with modern art. Quote, Though purple was prized above all other colors by the ancient cultures surrounding Israel, the Jews esteemed the sky-blue techelet as the most cherished and holiest of all colored fabrics. Purple, though beautiful, is raw and earthy, but techelet, like the deep, fathomless ocean and the vast, soaring sky, reaches out to infinity. Why is techelet singled out from all the colors, Roy Mayer asks? because Tehillet is similar to the sea, and the sea is similar to the sky, and the sky is similar to the holy throne. Along the same lines, though from an entirely different milieu, the great Russian artist Wassily Kandinsky, who had the fascinating neurological condition known as thinesthesia, where he experienced color not only visually but also audially, writes, The deeper the blue, the more it beckons man into the infinite, arousing a longing for purity and the supersensuous. It is the color of the heavens just as we imagine it. Gazing upon the color of Techelet, as the Torah enjoins us to do with the tzitzit strings, and you shall look at it, inspires us to lofty, transcendent contemplation. End quote. This is what the Sturmans write. Thus, the sky-blue wool utilized by the priesthood in the holy is also meant to be tied to the end of garments by Israel as a sign of the transcendent. Israelites are described in Exodus as an Am Mamlechet Kwanim Vegoi Kadosh, a nation of royal priests, a holy people. The Techelet, the strings of blue that adorn the corners of their garments and which match a color of the priestly clothing, highlight the fact that the transcendent God dwells amidst the people. It is with this in mind that we see a possible connection to what follows immediately in Numbers after the laws of Tzitzit. Chapter 16. Now Korach, the son of Yitzhar, the son of Kahat, the son of Levi, took, and Datan and Abiram, the sons of Eliav, and On, the son of Pelet, son of Reuben. And they rose up in the face of Moses and certain of the children of Israel, and they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing that all the congregation is holy, and the Lord is among them. 
Wherefore then do ye place yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Korach here challenges Aaron's right to the high priesthood, and he does so by rhetorically drawing on one of the central themes of the tzitzit, that the Lord dwells among Israel. But how sincere is Korach really? Ponder again the opening phrase, Vayikach Korach in the Hebrew, which means, and Korach took. But took whom or what? No object is given, only the verb. One possible explanation is that he took himself. And this verse would thereby parallel the quote that we cited yesterday about General George McClellan, that McClellan's problem was that while he brought superior forces to battle, he also brought himself. Korach here brings his entourage. He speaks in their name, but it's really about him. He's a demagogue seeking to honor himself. But a brilliant demagogue he is nonetheless, and he uses reason to put forward his argument. Why, he says, do we need Aaron if everyone in Israel is close to God, if God's covenant is with all of us? There are many answers to Korach's argument, but the fundamental answer, of course, is because God chose Aaron as high priest, just as God chose Israel as his covenantal people. Thus, here, Korach, who may be drawing on one symbolism of the techelet, the blue strings of the tzitzit, misses out on another symbolism, which is that ultimately we must recognize our own limited nature as human beings and obey all that God commands. And here again, we turn to the colors of blue and white. The traditional color of the non-blue strings of the tzitzit is white. And Rabbi Joseph Soloveitchik once suggested that the symbolism of this aesthetic union is the Jewish combination of rationality and mystery, reason and faith. The white strings, he said, denote clarity, that which is self-evident. They bespeak the power of the human mind to perceive, to deduce, to innovate. But then there is techelet, blue, the color of heaven itself, capturing the unfathomable mysteries at the heart of creation. The very blueness of the sky, Rabbi Soloveitchik said, is only due to the distance from which man observes it. White strings and blue strings together connote the human ability to understand as well as the mysteries which human beings cannot understand. Judaism does not deny the power of reason, but it also calls for us to recognize and remember that there is someone far greater than ourselves. It is God that chose the Jews, and it is God that chose Aaron and Aaron's children. That alone is sufficient. It is therefore significant that Moses responds to Korach's request for the priesthood by focusing on another ritual that, as we have discussed, also symbolizes the humility of the human mind and the aspects of life understood only by the Almighty. The ritual of incense, incense which suffuses the tabernacle, whose cloud limits the perception of those that stand in the sacred sphere as a sense of mystery envelops all. Moses instructs Korach and his mob in Numbers 16:17, And take ye every man his firepan, and put incense upon them. And bring ye before the Lord every man his firepan, 250 firepans, and Aaron each his firepan. It is Aaron's incense that is accepted. Korach and his men are swallowed up by the earth, their challenge denied by God. Their pans are beaten into a crown for the altar of incense, a reminder of the election of Aaron and his children. The incense of the tabernacle is brought twice daily by the Kohanim, the priests, on behalf of Israel, and its symbolism is like that of the blue fringes. Both are signs of God's indwelling in Israel 
but they are both also a reminder that God's infinite wisdom profoundly surpasses our own, and it is our humility before Him and our faith in His wisdom that is the source of our obedience. We can now return, then, to the theme of blue and white and what it means for Jewish history. Over the centuries, the art of creating blue wool, techelet, was lost, and Jews, therefore, wore only white strings, attaching them to special four-cornered garments used for prayer. Some remembered the covenantal color scheme by placing blue stripes upon these white garments. It was this color scheme that inspired Wolfson's design for the Zionist flag. And perhaps we can now appreciate how appropriate it is that white and blue, ingenuity and mystery, ultimately adorned the symbol of the Jewish state. Zionism was predicated on the ability of the Jewish people to achieve even the seemingly impossible if it put its mind to it. Or as Herzl said, if you will it, it is no dream. And Israel was indeed an immense human achievement. But Israel is also a sign of the divine acting within history. Those that built Israel made a desert into a flourishing garden, created a modern state, a mighty military, and a source of scientific breakthroughs, a startup nation. But what we have cited from Paul Johnson, the British Catholic historian, is also true. That quote, in the last half century, over a hundred completely new independent states have come into existence. Israel is the only one whose creation can fairly be called a miracle, end quote. And what Johnson means by this is that the events that preceded and followed Israel's declaration of statehood are so staggering that providence alone, not merely human effort, fully explains them. Israel truly is white and blue, simultaneously a modern democratic marvel and an enduring reminder of the mystery that is the endurance of the chosen people. Today, many centuries after the method of creating Tehillit was lost, it has been found. The blue wool is made the same way as the purple, but one additional ingredient is needed, the light of heaven itself. The sermons, leaders in the Tehillit field today, tell us as follows, quote, Both argaman and Tehillit are derived from the secretion of a small gland in the sea snails of the Murex family, found in the Mediterranean Sea. Different species of murex naturally yield various shades of purple. To produce the pure sky blue of Tehillet, another step is required. Exposure to sunlight at a specific stage in the dyeing process. This phenomenon was discovered only 40 years ago, though it was evidently well understood by the ancient dyers, end quote. Today, if you visit Israel and go to the Petil Tehillet organization, you can see this happen. Imagine looking at a piece of wool dipped in dye as some literal light from heaven shines upon it, and it turns blue. Is this combination of heavenly light and earthly chemistry not a sublime illustration of blue and white, of man's efforts and heaven's help, of the Jewish people being a tale of ingenuity, but also miraculous mystery? Interestingly, it is very close to where the ancient Argaman, the royal purple wool, was recently found in southern Israel that a famous image of blue and white imprinted itself on the modern Jewish consciousness. When the IDF captured a lot, they found they had brought no flag with them to establish sovereignty, and so they created one of their own, using stripes of ink on a sheet. The photo of the flying of that flag, known as the ink flag, at a lot, produced one of the most enduring images of the War of Independence, of the birth of modern Israel itself. The picture to me is striking, for it features a makeshift flag the result of human creativity. And yet this young man raising it seems to be climbing 
up the pole to the very heavens, toward that flag whose colors reflect the very blue of the sea on the shores of a lot itself. The blue that the sages say embodies the light of heaven. The photo reflects extraordinary effort, the upward struggle, but also the Jewish gaze heavenward. The purple wool found near Eilat is Argaman, but the blue and white of the ink flag flown at Eilat is what Techelat is all about. It reminds us of the mystery of the Jewish people throughout the ages, a mystery that is the true tie that binds, a color that reflects that of heaven and is thereby an intimation of eternity. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.